0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 1st Chronicles 16 When God's people sincerely come into the presence of God then worship is produced We cannot help but worship our God David is keenly aware of this and probably the greatest worship leader in the history of God's people is David. So here, as we've been studying, David is absolutely the king of the people. They all agree. David has made a serious and sincere effort to get the Ark of the Covenant and outfittings of the tabernacle into Jerusalem, the city of David. It's about to all come together and David will take it as far as he can. Later on, uh, we will see another portion of scripture that Tells us about how David can't be the one to build the temple. But he can teach the people and lead the people into worship. And that's what happens here in 1 Chronicles 16. The first part of David's teaching and leading the people into worship is to teach the people how to pray, to be a praying people. And we see here in the language of the scripture that the prayers come in, in three different categories or ways. They first come as petitions and then they come as thanksgiving. And then, they, of course, they're offered up in praise as well. So one naturally gives way to the other. So here we are. And he stationed before the Ark of Yahweh some of the ministering Levites. I'll stop there. David already knows the musicians. David himself being a musician. When you study the uh, Psalms that David wrote, many of them have a superscript at the top of it where David is giving musical instruction It is to be like this. It is to be in this kind of time. And it's to reflect this kind of mood. Here, David is separating some of the Levites who are some of the best musicians, but they also are in their ministry. They are worship leaders by way of of music and song and instruments. So number one, make mention. I have those Hebrew words highlighted in yellow. To make mention, that's the petition. To, to To bring to remembrance. To make mention to remembrance. So when we come to worship, part of worship is to, in a time of prayer, meditation, and thoughtfulness, is to reflect upon our own experience with God. It's a personal thing. Not just that, but the people of God, in this case, the nation of Israel. As a nation, of course, they can, they can reflect on all that God has done for them in the history uh, of the people of Israel. So that's number one. And then, in giving prayer, having reflected, uh, and of course, in the reflection, uh, laying, the, laying the format or the groundwork for, for thoughts of the gratefulness and the faithfulness of God to His people, next is give thanks. And then, after giving thanks, comes the praise. So to make mention and to give thanks and to praise, Yahweh El-Hegitra, that is, the Lord God of, of Israel. This is a natural flow of prayer that is part of worship. To reflect, to give thanks, and to offer praise. Now this doesn't mean to praise. As a matter of fact, Part of the word there is Hallel. It's we get hallelujah from that word. To praise means in the time of prayer to offer praise and glory in prayer to God for who He is, what He's done, uh, what he's going to do, what his promises are, what his covenant is. So petition, Thanksgiving, and praise to Yahweh God of Israel. Asaph, the leader, and second to him, Zechariah, Ja'il, and Shemiramat, and Jehiel, and Mattithiah, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and Oredem, and Ja'il, with instruments of psalteries and harps, and Asaph was resounding, was resounding with the cymbals. So you have uh, you have here and what is added to it as well when we read the whole thing, you have wind instruments, percussion, and stringed instruments. I'm sure it was a beautiful thing. Now these people are doing it because David had, appoint, had appointed them. They are good at what they do. There's nothing worse than to listen to to a praise band who hasn't taken the time to tune their weapons together their weapons, their weapons of war and against the devil together, their guitars. In this case, these are probably the highest professionals of music in the whole world at the time. But it comes from their heart because they're God's people. They, they, they experience in their lives. What they are reflecting upon in their prayer and in their worship. What they're giving thanks for. They've been spared the, the iron spears and swords of the Philistines. But it goes back before that. God has spared them in every generation. And then to offer praise for the covenant that God has given. And for the fact, of course, that God has... according to his word brought them into the land and now under the leadership of David is giving them prosperity and peace and security. And these things of course are very important uh, for God's people and for a nation. So each section of musicians has its leader. And Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, with trumpets constantly were before the Ark of the Covenant of Elohim. That is, here are the trumpets added to all these other things. So it was, a, it was an orchestra. It was a time of singing. Already, already demonstrated through none other than David himself and those who surrounded him, already they were seen as people who in their worship would, would dance about uh, in their joy Uh, To Yahweh. So here is how the worship begins in its outlay. David is the one who's putting it all together. Now, after leading the people and, and praying, he taught the people how to praise God. Now, when we say this, what we're saying is, it is to be noted that this whole event is carefully organized. It's not a jam session of Israelites. This is something that would have been highly organized and would have been rehearsed. And then when presented, it would have been glorious. And all of the people would have just would have just engaged in a moment of worship unlike they had ever seen, I'm sure, in their history. So the next thing is that in, uh, in teaching the people to praise, they praise God for the mighty things that he has done for his people in the past. On that day, David ordained to give thanks to Yahweh by the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks to Yahweh, call out in his name, Make his exploits known among the peoples. Sing to him. Play music to him. Speak of all of his wonders. Glory in his holy name. May the heart of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. No other nation in the world, no other people in the world had this testimony. The true and living God who had acted in the behalf of his people, he has preserved them. He has protected them against all odds because they carry the promise of the Christ who is the redeemer of his people. So here, knowing the special relationship and the covenant that exists in their time of praise, they testify to the greatness of God in the past. The great things that he's done for them in the past. It's always good when we come together in a time of worship for us as we sing or whatever, In a time of prayer is to reflect on the greatness and the goodness of God and what he's done for us. How many times that we went through a valley and when we back in the day, when we started through that valley, we really didn't see how we would ever get to the other end. But we did. And we give God, of course, the praise for it. Search for Yahweh and his mind. Now, some of this is found in a couple of Psalms. So we're looking at some Psalms here. This this is extracted and placed in Psalms. Search for Yahweh and His might. Seek His presence constantly. Remember His wonders which He performed, His miracles and the judgments of His mouth. The seed of Israel, His servant, the sons of Jacob, His chosen ones. So search for His might. Know of his presence. He is present with his people. He is is so engaged with his people that he is a miracle worker and performs wonders and takes care of his people and preserves them. And they now are called to be his servant, his chosen ones, his servant, really his priesthood to the nations. The next thing in offering praise is to praise God for his faithfulness to the covenant he has made with his people. He is Yahweh, he is the Lord our God throughout the earth are his judgments. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he had made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, and he set it up for Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will take you to a land. You will prosper. In the now you can't separate the covenant from the people and the place, the land. And at this point in time, they are enjoying in a large part, the land, not all of it, but to a large part. Now, David will expand the borders even more uh, during his reign But it won't be until the time of the millennium that they will enjoy the complete boundaries of the land that God has promised in that covenant. But they see how God is working out his covenant. And this is part of worship. That God has been true, even when the people of God didn't deserve it. And of course, that's the history of the rest of the Old Testament. That's the story of God's people. He remains faithful to the covenant. They don't. And even when they are scattered, he still remains faithful because he told them that he would scatter them, that he would preserve them, and that he would bring them back. And you and I, in our lifetime, are are witnesses to how God maintains his faithfulness to the covenant, even though yet still, as a nation, they're not faithful to the covenant themselves. So... Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying to you, I shall give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When you were few in number, hardly dwelling in it, when they walked from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he let no man oppress them. He reproved kings on their account. Do not touch my anointed ones and do not harm my prophets. God preserved them even when yet they were come they were had come to the land and god preserved them even in their centuries of unfaithfulness you know why because god is faithful to the covenant it's all of god he's faithful to his covenant so we can see that in the in the course of history the graveyards of nations who have come against god's people it starts out in cruelty perhaps and, and sometimes it may even look like the nations of the world would have the upper hand but not really, they never do. Those nations come under the judgment of God and they die. They're crushed, they're put away and they're no longer a part of the story of God's people on planet earth. Now, the next thing in praising God is to praise him For his sovereignty, the universal dominion of God, to acknowledge this in worship. God's people always, from time not well, from time to time, God's people are crushed by the world. The world tries to destroy them. The world tries to destroy the people of God, the word of God, the concept of God. It happens all the time. It has always happened. And God has always been there. He has been universally sovereign. And what he says will happen happens. And his sovereignty is to be acknowledged in worship. You are above all. You are the great God and king and creator. And you are the judge. And we are in you presently. And we are headed To the eternal kingdom where we will forever be in your presence to offer you praise. This is something that's part of worship. Sing to Yahweh all the earth. Announce his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wonders. For Yahweh is great and very much praised. He is feared over all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. He's the creator. Here is why, though God has established his covenant with Israel, here is why other nations continue to exist to the glory of God. It's easy to see how God uses nations and kingdoms and kings to take care of and preserve His people, moving them along the timeline of history to where finally they will come into that great kingdom, the earthly kingdom, the millennial kingdom, and they will enjoy the fulfillment of the completion of the covenant promises. Uh, especially regarding the land that have been made and who will be there to acknowledge that? The nations, the nations, the other nations will be there to glorify God for what he has done. There is beauty and majesty before him, might and joy in his place. Ascribe to Yahweh, you families of peoples, ascribe to Yahweh glory And might ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name, carry an offering and come before him, bow down to Yahweh in the beauty of holiness, quake, tremble before him. All the earth, also the inhabited world, will be established so that it will not falter. Now, if you study the prophecy of the rest of time, the Gentiles come together at the, in the tribulation. Christ comes and defeats the Gentiles. And yet what emerges after the tribulation and uh, after the great white throne, uh, what emerges from that uh, is, a, is a new heaven and a new earth. And on that new earth, the Bible says the nations bring their glory And to honor Christ. So there are nations there. Well, what are we to get out of this? We're to get out of it that God's word is true and that God will extract glory and honor even from other nations, not just now or even into the tribulation or even into the millennial kingdom, but into the ages of the ages of the ages. And this will be to his glory You and I can see how God mentions nations Um, in the tribulation. there There are among the tribulation saints those who come from every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation and they honor and glorify God and they're not Israelites but they are there in the time of Jacob's trouble and God provides for their salvation as well. It moves then into the Into the beyond the millennium and into the eternal state and nations are still there. And what's happening? The Bible says they are bringing their glory and their praise to God. So this is fulfillment of of God's word. God is sovereign over all. It won't falter. Give thanks to Yahweh for he is good. For his loving kindness exists forever. And say, save us, Elohim, this is save us, God of salvation or God of our salvation. And gather us and save us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel from all times past and to all times to come. And all the people said, Amen, and praised Yahweh. So this is a high point in their worship is to acknowledge the sovereignty of God in his covenant faithfulness to his people and in his sovereign rule over all the nations such that at the appropriate time, the nation of Israel becomes the most favored nation and all the other nations will acknowledge that this is all according to the covenant that God has made with them. Then David appointed worship leaders. This, is, this thing is to keep going. This is what God's people do. And he left before the ark of Yahweh, Asaph, and that is David did. He left before the ark of Yahweh, Asaph, and his brethren to serve before the ark continually as every day's work required. Now, in the course, what we're going to see later on is that there are so many Levites and there's only so much time in a day and only so many, only so many ways in a year that the Levites could serve actively in the priesthood that David will divide the priesthood into 24 orders or 24 courses such that when you get, for example, when you get to Zechariah, you get over there to, to Luke, the father of John the Baptist it was his time to serve in the priesthood. His, his time came around and he had to go and be in active service uh, at the temple. So this is what uh, this is, this, uh, David continues this organization later on as he, he sees the need to divide the priesthood into these 24 courses or 24 orders of the priesthood. So that everything is always being done, but the priesthood is always. Has, they all have the privilege at some point in time of being able uh, to serve as as the priest. Many of those of the Levites are worship leaders. That is to say, they are musicians. They play instruments and and they sing and they lead the people in worship. So this is what David did. He left his brethren to serve before the ark continually. And Obed-Edom and his brethren were 68. And Obed-Edom the son of uh, Jeduthun and Hussa for gate centuries. And Zadok the priest and his brethren, the priests, were before the tabernacle of Yahweh in the high place that was in Gibeon. Now, this is covered a little bit later on, but because God did not allow David to physically build the temple, to build the physical temple, He did permit David to bring the Ark into Jerusalem. He did permit David to bring the people to a recognition and importance and order of worship, which he did. But what used to be the tabernacle, all of these, you know, the Holy of Holies and which inside that was the Ark of the Covenant and then these other things that were there. They weren't all together at this point in time. They were there were in other some of it in various places and so they were called high places so here we're told that uh, Zadok and his brethren and brethren the priests were before the tabernacle of Yahweh in the high place in Gibeon to offer up burnt offerings to Yahweh the altar of the burnt offering constantly in the morning and in the evening for all that is written in the law of Yahweh which he commanded upon Israel now the burnt offering remember The burnt offering is after the offerings of you know trespass and sin offering. To, to use modern vernacular, I guess you could say you can't offer the burnt offering until after you're saved. Okay, after you've after you've dealt with the sin problem, then the worshipper should be properly drawn into a total commitment of his life to Yahweh. That was the burnt offering. So the expectation was in this high time of worship, people were constantly bringing the burnt offering, and the the priesthood was was busy all the time assisting the people with their burnt offering because people were coming, and that was in a, that was essentially like people coming today in some kind of recommitment or whatever, um, or you know I'm I've. The blood of Christ has been applied to me. I'm, I'm saved, and I want to commit myself to service. I want to serve, and I want the Lord to use my entire life. Uh, that's why Paul says, "Present yourselves as a living sacrifice." He was referencing the burnt offering. So this was a busy thing, constantly morning and evening, and with them were human, he man, human and Jedithan and the rest of the chosen ones who were designated with names to give thanks to Yahweh for his loving kindness exists forever. CO2 back there has a wonderful rendition of He-Man, but we won't ask him to do that tonight. Heman, Jedithan, for his loving kindness exists forever. And with them, Heman and Judith were trumpets and cymbals for resounding and instruments of the song of Elohim. And the sons of Jedith were appointed over the gate. And all the people went, each one to his house. And David returned to bless his household. So now they carry the spirit of worship back home. And this was to be part of their lives daily. The prayer, the praise, the reflection on the sovereignty of God. These things, these things were to be a part of personal worship all the time. You see, David goes to bless his household. Each one goes to his house. It was expected that they were carrying this spirit of worship with them. That just because they weren't together anymore, moving the ark around and doing all that stuff, the high time of excitement Is not something that leaves the individual. He's always drawn to worship his God, our God, the God of salvation, the God of sovereign grace, uh, the God who has carried us through difficult things and and continues to fulfill his promises in our lives uh, via, in our case, via the new covenant. And, and God, God takes the responsibility for doing all that. And all we can do is worship him and thank him for it and and uh, and, and give this time of praise to the great, true and living God. We're going to stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.